In this episode, I continue my conversation with psychic medium Rebecca Ann Lo Cicero. We pick up right in the middle of where we left off last episode, so I suggest you listen to episode 10, Skeptics and Psychics, Psychic Medium Rebecca Ann Lo Cicero Answers the Hard Questions, so you aren't lost. Also, this is from an Instagram Live, so the sound isn't as good as with some of the other episodes. Welcome to What the Fuck Just Happened. I'm your host, Liz Enton. If you listen to the intro, you know my story. If not, here's a brief summary. I'm a science skeptic, and when my dad died, I took a shot in the dark and decided to investigate if there was any possible evidence of an afterlife. I assumed that was as realistic as Santa Claus, but I was desperate. However, I was so blown away by what I discovered that I wrote a book and launched this podcast. In this podcast, I will be talking to some fairly normal people about some really weird shit. I speak with everyone from psychic mediums and afterlife researchers to ordinary people who've had some inexplicable experiences. So come, listen, there's no need to draw any final conclusions. Keep an open mind and wonder what the fuck just happened? Taryn said what I've been trying to say, but so much better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of statistical significance. If facts match to people's readings at a rate statistically significantly against chance, you have an effect in reality suggesting it's beyond imagination. And I'm going to add to that, suggesting consciousness and reality works differently than we understand through materialist science. It's full of imagination that is the reading is the, through the tool of imagination, the brain process. Well, it depends what you, it depends how you define imagination. Like imagination, maybe some of, like the most brilliant artist, maybe imagination is a communication with the other side. Like someone makes beautiful art and they say it came into my head through my imagination beautiful literature, beautiful mm-hmm. creativity, you know, maybe they're collaborating. I mean, anyone who does art and creativity have always been, I've always done a lot of art and creativity and that stuff. It feels like, I mean, I never would have defined it that way because I never thought in the terms to maybe, I mean, for all we know, it's kind of, it is almost like a spiritual experience, especially when someone's like a, one of the best artists, for all we know, maybe a type of imagination is a connection to other Loved ones. I mean, that's that's philosophy. You can't. Maybe there's some way to test that at some point, but in general, that's not an easily testable hypothesis. There's a question about Lily Dale from the Art of Soulfulness, who so kindly was helping us. We were having all the tech problems, so I want to thank you so much for that. And we have a question from the Art of Soulfulness. What about spiritualism, where they test before they allow folks to practice in their facilities or on Lilydale property. Well, I don't think Lilydale tests so much from what I know. I feel the best tests. This is just my understanding. Someone else could correct me. My personal understanding is that Lilydale isn't really a place with strict testing as far as I know. Um, Again, it is all going to be personal. 
personal opinion and personal preference as well. I don't think Julie, Dr. Well, Rachel's like, what about Mandy's challenge? I know people okay. who did some pretty incredible things, and he was like, nah. Okay, I have I have talked about Randy quite a bit, and I'll talk about him now. Um, I know I spoke with Darren, you're on. We've talked about Randy. <laughs> Randy did a lot of good. Randy exposed fraud, and that right. is great. Right, but he exposed fraud, but, it's, but he didn't... He didn't he, also expose accuracy. He could he have done both. both. He could have done had, both. He had a test that was impossible to pass That's in the sense true. that he from what I heard, it. he wouldn't accept it. Correct. That's different. Oh, this is going to be good. Okay, we'll ask you this in a minute. But I think I want to explain why. Then correct me in any way. This is my understanding. Randy would make things. No medium's ever 100%. And a medium could go in and say name, date, social security number, favorite memory, and job. And I guess the job wrong. Like, be like, I saw they were a doctor, but they were like fixed computers or, you know, who knows why. Maybe you were getting, and then Randy would be like, you failed because it's not 100%. And he didn't do it by statistics and odds. He did it by 100%. So you could completely, oh, who's Randy? I'll explain that in one minute. So, and the reason I guess I have a lot of strong emotional feelings about randy's million dollar challenge which i'll explain in a minute was very early on before understanding this in my deep grief if anyone doesn't know my story i got into this science-minded skeptic after losing my dad so i thought there was almost no chance of this and one of the reasons was i kept hearing and reading how nobody no psychic or medium has ever won randy's challenge so however much i was reading i was like but if someone had one like if someone was real they would have won randy's challenge so now to explain who randy is because the art of silkiness and probably other people here don't automatically know who randy is if you look up um randy was a stage magician he passed about a year ago, mm-hmm. he was quite elderly. He set up a challenge and said that anyone who showed that they have genuine psychic, medium, paranormal abilities, anything, anything like mm-hmm. bending spoons, speak, you know, able to move objects with their mind, anyone who proved that would get a million dollars. And he set up a test and People came from all over trying and nobody ever passed. But when I started learning about details of it, they got significantly beyond the odds of beyond the odds of chance, but it was a setup. I don't think intentionally. I just think he hadn't educated himself enough about abilities. It was a setup that no one could pass again because some medium readings are up to eighty percent accurate. Just absolutely impossible to know the information they've gotten. But they're never a hundred percent, and no one would pass. Or I heard one. I'm I beg to differ. We get my peeps up on here. I've had a few hundred percent. Oh, this is interesting. Have you ever had a message from Randy since he passed? Oh, have you? I haven't. I don't I get messages. Has. Randy could be giving me messages left and right. How the fuck would I know? I don't have abilities to read those. I don't. I would have to know somebody to. Um, but you know what? He sh- he should have left that for someone. He should have left like I left a code word. So the first person to come to you with my code word gets that billion dollars or something. Like, you should have done something like that. That would have been cool. But um, at the same time, you know, it was... And and just to go back to the whole aspect of testing, there is a obligation when you are a medium to be able to convey what you are receiving for the person who is receiving it, the sitter, from spirit to sitter, for their highest good and in the best way. And 
all mediums are different. My approach is very loud and very blunt and very to the point. And, and I know that I am not everybody's cup of tea. However, you can't try to test somebody. I don't believe that you can accurately test somebody and call a judgment saying that they are the best I don't think there would ever be a number one, number two, number three. The best medium in the world could have an off day. Okay. I they could have a depression that. themselves. They could have woken up and stubbed their toe and then had to do a reading five minutes later. Throbbing and pain and testing for a million dollars. I mean, we don't know what. And, and not only that, but you don't know how somebody's going to take it or hear it. I mean, me giving that guy a, a reading that was 100% meant great to him. You got an A+. plus. You got everything right. But when I turned around and I kind of knacked him in the arm, then he started crying. It was caused a physical reaction. When somebody is measuring a reading they, they and grading it and scoring it, do you remember how it felt when you felt somebody, a medium, giving you that one piece from your dad where it went and it ripped right inside your heart like he was hugging you from the inside out? Yeah. Okay. That is the 100%. If somebody gets a reading and they don't have any of that, it could be a it could be a hundred percent accurate in validation. But if you don't feel it, where was it? I guess my take on that is someone who never believed this and still it's someone sitting there just giving the information. It's like I don't need the I love yous. Because, like, mm. for me, as a more skeptical person instead of a mm. spiritual person, oh, and, our, and I'm hearing loveling things about you, Rebecca. Then I'll go back to my yourself. A sad. lot of people, you may not wait, wait, this hear is the important. I love you. This but... is important. Someone is saying you've given them 100% accurate readings and you've given their family 100% accurate readings. I think people and that feeling was absolutely unforgettable. And someone else is saying that they cried when you gave them a reading. So people are saying the most loving things about you, um, which I think you have to know. Thank you but so I am, much. Which is so true. Rebecca has made such a difference in my life, too. And, and that's, but, that's, I think, is important, you know. Like, But I just, I do, I, I do know for, I, everybody has opinions, right? So yeah, you yes. put 25 mediums in front of me. And I see them all work, or even if I don't see them all, like, sometimes you just, you can, you can, I don't know, maybe that's the psychic thing and I can, not you. So I'll take that back. I think that there is a, there is a definite need, see, and that brings me into the whole gypsies and, and, you know. Oh yeah, we'll have to talk about that. Well, I want to talk about that, but I do have to say, as someone who's much more, the skeptical, and I know we've talked about this, Rebecca said she, because I remember you openly saying we don't know what it's like to have been a kind of person who never believed anything spiritual. Like, I was raised atheist, a cultural Jew, but completely atheist, like, thought anything else was just not an option. I wouldn't say nuts, like, we have respect for other people's values, but it just, it was completely unrealistic. And so when I get the facts, and especially early on, that meant so much more to me than anything. Oh, your dad's sending so much love to you. I was kind of like, yeah, of course, like you're going to say that. So the the facts were like, that was just, to this day I get chills. It's the feeling of 
watching someone de- defy the laws of the universe, the shock of that, the feeling of, oh my God, my dad is really here. It changes my whole concept of mortality. Oh, it, it changed like the facts and empirical evidence change things for me in such a profound way that no like message wrapped in love could like if that oh shit we lost rebecca she'll be on in a second jill hi jill my friend jill here oh my friend stephanie's here hi stephanie um and jill said exactly what i feel too with this this explains it the facts that couldn't be known are the skeptics punch in the gut like in a good way i think like well you know bringing the hope their loved ones still exist it brings it's and it's a hope that i can't from someone like me who thought there was zero chance, there aren't words for it. There, there, I, I want to explain why I feel this way. And it is a level that is so profound. We do not have words in the English language. So I'm sort of helpless to really explain what it means to me when I get the facts and the data and the evidence, because facts, data and evidence sound very emotionless. And to me, the level of emotion and profundity when someone gets a fact about my dad, like I, I feel like I can't Explosive. follow this conversation. <laughs> it doesn't, there aren't butterflies in the gut instead of punches. Maybe a better way to say it. Yes, it is like, there was a quote and I don't know if I'm going to take the time to look it up now. It's by, I believe Dean Radin. And it's, it is the only one that has come close and it was describing, I don't have to go into it, but it was describing like the split particle experiment and spooky action, but it was just saying like the feeling it's just inexplicable when you realize the profundity of it. And it's like going down the roller coaster, but more and like profound doesn't even touch upon it. Like, hi, I'm jumping in and interrupting my own podcast because I want to read you guys the quote that I'm talking about. It's by Dean Radin in his book, Entangled Minds. You'll know you've got it when your gut suddenly drops, like the feeling of free fall. When a roller coaster plunges off that first steep rise, until you get it viscerally, the most profound discovery description seems like overkill. Afterwards, profound isn't strong enough. Yeah, I'm just sort of hopeless to explain my side because I don't feel we have the way people come back from NDEs. There aren't. Yeah, facts will convince a skeptic. Facts will be dismissed by a debunker. That's so true, Darren. Like, if you're determined yes, yes. to debunk Debunkers something... are ridiculous. Don't yes. bother with a debunker. A debunker is just somebody who's... To me, a debunker is scared and, and fearful, and I can't have that. Skepticism doesn't have fear and, and all of... I mean, it may have, like, a little anxiety, and you may be, like, a little afraid of what you might hear, but I'm talking about a debunker must have something somewhere deep, deep. So you and I come from such opposite perspectives. I just, it makes me so excited that we've met each other on this plane in this lifetime. I've never not known that spirit exists outside the body. I can't even imagine that. And I have never, until I start researching this, I mean, I think when I was very little, I mean, you know, your parents don't say to like a three-year-old, oh, you're going to die. Like, I remember them telling me there's a heaven and everyone goes to heaven when they die. And then I was a little older. They're like, oh, yeah, I remember like Santa Claus, yeah, heaven, God, you know, Tooth Fairy. Like, it was kind of all the same thing. It was like I was, you know, they didn't quite sit down and say it so roughly, but it just kind of became obvious that was a fairy tale for children. And the way they told it, it still is. But the way, like, 
Julie Baishel and Dr. Bruce Grayson studying NDEs tell it. It's not a fairy tale. Wait, there's some things coming in in questions. Yeah, Amy, I agree. Um, Amy has some questions. First of all, Amy, I agree with you. You need validation and you haven't gotten it yet. Yeah. Um, and oh, wow. But it sounds like that is a validation, Amy, in a way. I mean, you want it takes I, I think I maybe need to answer this one because I relate. You lost your father in law and felt him with you outside the hospital. Amy, the best thing I can really say to that is someone who also really needs a lot of validation is that's a start. Start keeping notes of that because you're going to need more validation than someone who believes this. But feeling that, pay attention to those feelings. Get the readings. I don't know how much you like to read scientific studies, but if you go to Winbridge, I mean, they have literal studies that are peer-reviewed, written in what a lot of people think are boring, like very sciencey <laughs> words. And for me, in grief, I found that type of tone so serious and so calming because it was felt so real. So I just read data and study and data and as well some translate for the general I call public it and some book relief. Some people can get emotional relief from a poem and some people can get emotional relief from a textbook. Yes. I, I am I am also a textbook groupie. My my books tend to be I, I mean you can't I don't know kid you probably can't see them back there, but they're my books they all tend to be um antique. I tend to find a lot of my, my peace and understanding coming from things that were written then and written first. So they're philosophical instead of scientific. But when you would talk about something like this, it wouldn't be scientific then. I mean, if you if you think about it, there's a great movie out. It's called, I believe it's called The Physician. And it really goes into how, um, you know, for very many, many, many years, you were not allowed to cut open the human body. We didn't know what the inside, I mean, doctors were literally in wagons driving around selling you potions to drink for this, that, and the other thing. And those were the physicians. Those were the doctors. Those, that's who people trusted. And they often were aligned with gypsies. So the gypsies would come through and the physicians would come through and the gypsies would send people to the physicians if somebody came to the gypsies who needed some help. And sometimes the physicians would say, I see you have stomach issues, but this has nothing to do with anything I can help you with. You should go sit with a gypsy. So if you think about how somebody can be in a lot of grief and they don't have a way of understanding it or explaining it and they don't have a point of resource, like you, you didn't have that until you started doing your research and you only had what you could go look for, you are really going to wind up in just a few limited places. So once we started to cut the human body, which was sacrilegious and against the law to open a human body, we never saw the mind. People used to do lobotomies just to let out the voices. So now we're living in a space where the voices are coming in and we have resources and studies and, and like Winbridge and a lot of articles and you with your questions. But there is a, you cannot, you cannot take grief and measure it in any way for people. So when it comes to the medium being measured, obviously it's going to get measured different if I'm reading you and giving you facts or if. I'm reading somebody else who wants to know if their loved one is okay. And that's it. 
Are they okay? Are they in pain? Are they still throwing up? Do they still have cancer? Can they hear me? Can they see me? You know, it's like, it's like their limited view is of, you know, are they underground pounding to be like, is their soul okay? Are they stuck here? Are they not stuck? Like people really don't know. Just like we didn't know. We used to treat people's digestive system based on animals. I would say we probably still don't know. I think we know so little. We know so little. The most we ever have, but to think we are at the peak of knowledge in this huge, mysterious, possibly multiverse, that is so arrogant to think we mainly have the answers. We barely know anything. We're going to look back in 100 years. I mean, we know so much more than we did 100 years ago. True that. Given we don't all, like, knock out the planet, we're going to know so much more. Well, I'm very jealous of people who have the opportunity to, to look at their lives as if they are within that, that Darwinistic um, dinosaur nourishing the earth rotation without having any, um, you know, contemplation of an afterlife or judgment or where or what or who. I mean, it does. I often thought, Liz, that you, where you were before you went on this adventure, do you ever wish you could just go back to that? I wish I saw my dad around and I Amen. But otherwise, hell no. It's horrible to think. I mean, I just oh, it's it's horrible in some way. I am so much more deeply happy. There was like this existential pain I had that I didn't know I had because I didn't have anything to compare it with except very early childhood. But like there's nothing in my opinion. Whatever horrible things might happen in my life, nothing is ever going to be as bad as thinking when you die, that's it. Like, that is such a bad, like, I can't even oh, the comparison. Wow. Why would you want that? I can see why you want it in the sense that I've gone from that to learning this joyful stuff made, brought joy through such a painful time, like grief. It brought a happiness and, like, to have the best thing in the whole world, it's like, you know, imagine getting like a billion dollars. If you grew up as a multimillionaire, your life doesn't really change. But if you've grown up struggling and then you get a billion dollars, everything's changed. It's the best thing. You just wake up like, holy shit. You know, so there's like this chronic, chronic like deep, almost like emotional appreciation I have for just, I mean, it's still, I'm still stunned. I still am just like, Holy so you've shit. had a euphoric experience that expand like so much more than an aha moment when stuff started flowing. Where when it comes to this, I've always known. I've never not known, and I was always a little jealous that I didn't have the peace of trying to make the decision on my own. Okay, I can see that, but you don't think it's better to think there's no after. I don't you know just, the difference. You don't know the difference. That makes sense. Well, I will tell you from my perspective. I have a fear that I could be crazy, but I don't know the difference. I don't know the opposite end to say that's a possibility. Like, I will, I, um, and my experiences, my aha moments, my ex existential explosions still happen. But they've had a base of awareness from the get-go. You ever wonder what mediums do with their free time? How about a 30-something-year-old gay medium living in New York City? Well, in this podcast, you're about to find out. Welcome to Ghost Daddy. 
a place where LGBTQ plus spiritual people, and our cis-hetero allies, of course, have a place to just be themselves and spread their wisdom. This is the new face of spirituality. None of that love and light, toxic positivity crap. So pour yourself a vodka soda, <laughs> open up your mind, and start listening. You can listen to the Ghost Daddy Podcast anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Care is a charity organization founded by Emma Justice after the loss of her father, David Justice, to glioblastoma. Club Care is dedicated to supporting children and families dealing with cancer. They strive to create joyful moments through meaningful projects impacting individual families as well as larger oncology communities. Funding for all projects is raised through philanthropic donations. Go to makingheadway.org backslash programs for a complete list of programs and activities. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to share that my book, What the Fuck Just Happened? A Sciency Skeptic Explores Grief, Healing, and Evidence of an Afterlife is available now for sale. If you go to wtfjusthappened.net, you can see the link to buy it. I'll also have the link in the podcast show notes. I know many of you want to know how exactly did I come to change my mind about the afterlife? Well, this book is all about the first stages of my exploration into this afterlife evidence to where I'm at today. It starts with the awful part of when I lost my dad. How as a science-minded atheist, I first began to explore if there was any possibility of an afterlife, and what and who I found most compelling. I also share some stuff that was not so compelling, such as a very clearly fake psychic medium reading and a pretty ridiculous seance, but that's balanced by some amazing peer-reviewed studies on mediums, medium readings, parapsychologists, and just whole bunch of what the fucks, including some really inexplicable personal things that happened to me and some really incredible signs I got from my dad. Despite the topic, it's actually funny, mainly because I'm just like such an awkward person. And you also get to learn about all the amazing people and incredible characters I met along the way, as well as more about the research that helped change my mind. And some of the people you learn about have become some of my really good friends and mentors today. So go to wtfjusthappened.net and order it. If you've already read it, please rate and review on Amazon. I cannot tell you how helpful that is. And share with any friends who might be interested. Thank you all. I'm so excited to finally share the full details of this crazy exploration with all of you. I guess I'm curious if anyone feels differently. Is there anyone who ever just assumed there was not an afterlife as well and like thinks that they liked feeling that way? I'd be curious. I mean, you yeah. think it would feel, I mean, I don't know. I've, the only time I've heard people say that, like the people I meet who thought like me think 
or starting to wonder if it's possible. I have people in grief reaching out to me like, wow, you seem so skeptical, but you believe this, like give me any hope. And I give them hope as best I can. I tell them everything. I don't ever want to lie to somebody. That's right, like right, don't lie. Even to comfort someone, I won't lie. So I'm like, you know, I mean, if someone's like, are you positive? No, I'm not. And that was, I mean, but I think there's a preponderance of evidence. And I just see that joy. The only time I've heard the other, and I in no way mean this to knock religion. I know it's been beautiful for some people, but people who've had a fear of like doing something wrong and they would go to hell maybe, who then become atheist, feel very freed. And this is something I've, Notice yeah, that you still did something wrong and then made a choice to not believe something. Yeah. Oh. No, they feel free because I would think it'd be very controlling. Certain very restrictive religions, you know, and again, I feel like I don't want to say judgment, but I'm just saying I, I can't identify with this. This is just what I've heard. So I can't have an opinion, this or that. It's, you know, that's the only time I've heard freed, but. What I find interesting is a lot of the most intense skeptics. But they're making a choice not came. because of what the afterlife might might bring them, but because of the because of the the like like the little the little uh, Jiminy Cricket in their ear, their their consciousness, their conscience here mm-hmm. having an issue that they want to block out. So that brings me back to the same thing. If somebody wants to debunk or say that there isn't. It is usually fear-based. But I, I feel like I came fear-based. I mean, I was in grief and terrified of wanting this to be true more than anything. It was going to my starting to study this, I consider it the scariest thing ever because to allow myself to have even a glimmer of hope for something like this in the darkest point of my life, I've never been so scared, you know? I still sometimes feel scared. What if I discover something that proves it's all wrong? Like, I don't know if I could recover from that, and, you know? That'd be a disappointment I can't really fathom at this point so it's there still is a fear so like well if you ever worry that this might not be something real just mm-hmm. what the fuck call me up i'll help you uh, I thank you <laughs> yeah I, I do worry sometimes that i go through all the evidence and it's actually a joyful feeling because i like kind of shock myself all over again like holy shit this i know that there's people out there who i have who have changed my life as much as I feel that, you know, and I believe them when they tell me I've changed their lives, you know, it's, it's humbling to, I, I tell people all the time, you know, depending on, on what job position you're in, to have somebody say to me, you know, Rebecca, you, you healed me, you saved me, you changed my life, you've You've helped me more than therapy. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, for somebody to, I guess, for for lack of a better word, to thank me for yeah. just giving them what I heard for them. It, it's just, it's so powerful. I can't, you can't give it up. So yeah, yeah, it's life changing. Easy. Well, more questions are coming in. This is this one's interesting that I feel there's one that's really important we should address. Um, Darren, again, my fellow skeptic, um, and I'm interested in this too. What, Rebecca, what are your thoughts on physical mediumship and research such as skull experiments, wax hands? Um, okay. I do believe that physical mediumship is real. I have not yet seen real physical mediumship in person. You and I have both been, and I will not talk by name, we won't okay. get names. I know what you're saying, but no, I don't ever name it. But I it. will someone... say that I have been physical, physically present with two physical mediums. 
I believe in it. I really do believe in it. And I actually, I actually have studied with another medium working on physical mediumship. And I've also worked independently with two other people who sat with me while I was doing physical mediumship. So there's so many different layers to that. So there's mental mediumship, which is where I hear spirit vibration. I interpret it through my imagination, full body, five senses, give it back to you, your normal readings. And then there's the physical mediumship, which a lot of people will connect to the word seance, which basically means that your body is being possessed. Automatic writing, when spirit takes control. Is that me going dark? Oh, I'm here. That was you. Okay. Um, uh, Automatic writing is is awesome. So you can do automatic writing. That's physical mediumship. You know, watching lights blink, having like lights blink on and off. Um, EVPs, having working with a medium and having spirit, you know, show an electronic voice phenomena. That's their voice on all things that can, you know, uh, orbs, ghosts, things like that. Things that happen around a medium, uh, but getting possessed, that kind of thing. Yeah, no, I have not seen it in person done correctly. Yeah. I went to a physical medium seance, same person Rebecca and I will talk about, and I'm never name and shame. It was the fakest carnival show thing I've ever seen. I was pretty disappointed, but not shocked. You know, I expected to find a lot of fraud. However, one part of physical mediumship, it's PK, psychokinesis, mind's ability to affect matter. And I bent a spoon. That's an example of PK. I was shocked. I don't think like that's, ever that's not physical mediumship like he's asking bending a spoon is it, it's pk but it's it's telekinesis it's it's using your physical energy to manipulate the atoms and physical energy of another object we're talking about physical mediumship where you let another entity of energy and consciousness which may or may not be discerned as something positive and you present it out through you in a way that you cannot control. So physical mediumship is when the medium is taken over physically in one manner or another. I was so, thinking of seances where like objects fly around the room. And as Darren wrote what I've heard, but like that would, hands manifest. I did physical mediumship. There were two other people in the room. I was laying completely dead ass still. The other two were watching me. I heard and saw in my imagination or wherever I was, because I was kind of in a meditative state, myself playing on the floor with a boy. When we were done, it was like 20, 30 minutes, I put a timer on, they both heard whistling and singing, humming in their ears. It was like, like, like they heard it. I heard the humming, but it was only from me on the floor with this child. But I was off on a bed on another side of the room. So physical mediumship, whatever, whoever the spirit was, I don't know, used my physical energy to make sound travel through the room. That's amazing. That's the shit it's we have amazing. It's probably measurable in some sort of a way, but it wasn't measured. It was just witnessed. But it mm-hmm. was, it was, but that's physical mediumship. But that, I mean, physical mediumship... There's people out there who they throw, you know, pens and cards into a box and that comes out. And then there's people who sit in a cabinet and get tied up and shit goes flying. And then there's, I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many different aspects of it that 
in today's day and age, I don't think that a physical me. I hear Fran in my ear. <laughs> I was just thinking about her. That's so weird. Aw. So she was Fran, our mentor. Fran like, said to me once, I'll never forget this. Actually, I think it was the day I met you. Was it the day I met you, the day that Bob and Fran couldn't come? No, we were already friends, but that's when we went to dinner with Fran and Bob. We were already good friends. Right, and Bob wound up leaving dinner a little unexpected. Yes, right? yes. Do you yes. remember how she yelled at me at the table? She yelled at you a bit, quite a bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lots but of times. She banged the table. We were talking about physical mediumship. You were there, and I'll never forget yes. it. She yes, yes. And she said, right. you, she was like, you had, like, she literally was like mad. You had no idea what somebody would give to speak to their child again, to hear their child's voice, and to know that their child could hear them back. You have no idea what Because I remember saying to her, I oh my God, that's my exactly possessed by somebody else. And I remember her being so like, obviously, I want you to let your body get, because like people want that. You, how would it be? And I remember looking at you thinking, do you know, do you want your dad to possess me? Like, yes. 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 It was like, I know. Yeah, Liz, you want that. You want that more than anything. You would. Yeah. A Rebecca body to start talking in other human voices. I, yeah, you would give anything for that. I remember trying to get that, find a medium who could come to my first holidays before I knew this wasn't possible. I was trying to get a medium to come download my dad as if the medium wasn't there and just their body was there, which, like, I write about in my book. It was a very awkward story. Like, I started inviting mediums, like, to come to the holidays I barely knew, and they were like, are you inviting me to your holidays? I was like, oh, yeah. Well, I mean to bring in my dad no I didn't say my dad because I didn't tell anyone what happened because I won my evidence but hard uh, I would do anything yeah I agree with Fran but love and light saying it's a hard no for me oh it's a hard yes give it I would give anything if someone if you would just download my dad yeah Fran and I were in 100% <laughs> agreement that's what we want more than any reading in the whole yeah. world you don't want a reading you don't want I mean I the readings are the best you're gonna get yeah but, but it's if, probably I mean that that whole thing getting having having that physical mediumship aspect of it you know i've had things like when you have something fall when during a reading or something like a phone goes off during reading that was on silent or you know just a light blink during the reading i do feel like if anything oh go ahead and tell your story about the electricity and the microphone that was physical mediumship when my we story that's your on. story should I, I should tell it from my perspective sure. yeah okay so this is the first time I've met Rebecca, first time I've met the mediums. I went to a Forever Family Afterlife Mediumship Convention. It was in 2016, a year after, under a year after losing my dad, mm -hmm. or about a year. And at that point, I thought I'd had some readings. I was starting to study it, just started volunteering for Forever Family Foundation. I assumed it, there was... I, at this point, I didn't assume it was nonsense, but I really was about 50-50. I'm very anxious for this weekend and desperate. and like desperate to meet the mediums, desperate to make sure I didn't were, slip with any of my evidence. You were questions and excitement. We were all really happy to see you. Were you? Okay, yeah. so I was always like, was I the most annoying person? I would like corner the mediums. And one thing I've learned about mediums is they get really exhausted giving readings. So they'd be exhausted. I'd be like, can you cut? Wait, wait, wait. I have a question. And I would ask like. I'd be like, oh, could you please like, just stop? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were kind of like, okay, Liz, like, 
really, I've got to go to bed. I'm like, oh, I get that. Just one more. Like, I would just corner every medium and, like, ask, like, science skeptical questions for, like, 30 minutes longer. Like, the whole weekend. Every time I could get a medium, they were just like, oh, God, there's Liz. But I guess you guys all became my friends. So you must have actually not hated me too much. Um, Darren, yeah, you would do it too. Yeah, Darren, that's why Darren and I get along so well. We're, maybe Darren and I will come together to a forever family thing and just like Ask all you guys will be hiding fun. from us. You'll be like, you can't have the two of you. Oh God, there's two of them. What the fuck? Liz is multiplying. We can only handle one. <laughs> What happened is Rebecca's in a group giving a reading and it's this huge like conference center and it's tables and she's reading. I was sitting actually right at the same table and over Rebecca and the table I'm sitting at the lights and she's brings in, it was, I don't remember if it was a woman's son or daughter, but she's holding the microphone. It was a son. The lights flash over the table and Rebecca like jumps back and it's like holy shit and then the woman starts crying and was like my son told me he plays with lights that's what he does and Rebecca's like yep that's that was him and I I, from her perspective has been a very interesting one too well yeah the Um, light right it was all recessed lights but only the one above me went out the microphone mm -hmm. kind of threw me back but there was a guy at like two tables over that got got the zap whatever it was yeah. that came through it went to somebody else i was like mm-hmm. i'm done i give i'm not i just volunteer i don't get paid to get electrocuted <laughs> yeah and rebecca you said you felt the electricity shoot through right you right through me right back and there's the just wall. there's no scientific way the lights could have gone off over just one table like i know uh, there I were mean, recessed lights half the room but it fried all the computers that were hooked up to that whole thing peter barone's computer he lost everything from that day. oh my god i didn't know that it's crazy <laughs> and if i had been in charge or if i knew fran and bob as well as i wait did a minute darren later. just darren just did a little challenge he thinks becky would go nuts simply being on <laughs> on his podcast oh please i like a challenge uh, Rebecca, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rebecca, yeah. What, but I have to say what I would have done if I was Fran and Bob, and I didn't know them well enough to say this at this point, is I would have had an electrician come look. I would have said this is what happened. I would have had an electrician go through the whole hotel and say if this was possible and if so, how. Yeah, that, but I mean, I you know what, though? What, why? Why would you want to go that much further? I think that that's probably the difference between you not having this in your life all the time and having the ability to receive peace from science, where I look at it like, oh, yeah, that was just one of those things. You can't explain it. I'm not going to say it was or it wasn't, but then it becomes it is what it is. I want to prove that I can't explain it by normal means. Got gotcha. you. So I you're looking rule for out. a failure of hypothesis. Yeah, I want to rule out all the normal explanations. Gotcha. Well, I have a list of hypotheses. We can, we can so. start. <laughs> uh, wait, this, this actually, I think, is an important question, not okay. as light, but I, it came in. There's two questions I think are important. Um, okay. Amy wants to know, she always thought her mom would be around, but doesn't feel her. I think that's a really, actually, important one to address. Okay, okay. So she believes she's around, but doesn't feel her. Yes, and I assume there's other people who experience that. Sure, of course. You know, um, I would have to say that one of the reasons why we don't 
physically feel them around, which would be the pause of your, your it's, it's almost like you're looking for that feeling of, is somebody staring at me? Is somebody in the room? When you say you don't feel them around, it's usually because you're not in the physical position to put yourself in to feel them. You, if I want to feel my birth mom, I'm going to go to this bench in Northport and I'm going to sit on it and I'm going to feel her. If I just think about her and talk about her, sometimes it's not, well, I didn't really know her very well anyway, but um, or at all, but sometimes it's harder to put myself in a position where I'm going to feel her or sense it if I'm not in that frame of mind. Now, if you go and you sit in your dad's chair on some morning where, you know, you were thinking about him and you make a a cup of his favorite tea and you sit down next to him and you sit in his chair, you've made purpose and then you're going to feel him around. So it's and if you do make that purpose or make that moment or make that connection, it's a guaranteed visit. For you to, at that point in time, say you don't feel him around would be because you're, you're, it's, that's a, then it becomes a you thing. Because the feeling of feeling them around you is through you. So it's, it doesn't always have to be a cold chill. It just has to be a moment. And those, those moments are, are always possible. They're always there. It's kind of like consciousness is linked. Remember when I told you you can't measure it once it moves out of the body? When you think of them, think of just one tiny particle energy, which is which is a cellular combination of all of their consciousness, just being able to be next to you for a split second. That's, yeah. that's huge. That's bigger than you. And sometimes we just get lost in the grief of it instead of the joy of the miracle of it. It's sad, but it can be sad and joyful at the same time. Especially if you're going to yeah. get his favorite tea and sit in his chair for him. You're going to get sad, but you're going to feel him around. I see um, Darren. He keeps talking about, um, I have a daughter, um, Darren, who is um, doing animal Reiki. And she has occasionally been bringing some animals through. So I'll have to, I'll have to hook you two up. Maybe she can work with you. Is that Nora? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If we just set up Nora. the whole Reiki table for the dogs. Aww. Oh, I love that. Yeah, we have it right next to, well, not everything's set up yet, but we just set it up because um, it's right where the backyard is. So we're going to, um, we're going to, she's going to start doing animal Reiki. Oh my God. Uh, Maybe I'll bring pickles out there. (laughs) Oh, we'd love pickles for a visit. Oh, well, I'll come with pickles. I I have to work on it. I have this little puppy down here. She's under the healing table. Oh my God! Wait, the art of soulfulness just wrote this. Darren Ida Lab, who would get up on the bed and jump down, then jump back, back oh and God. forth. After he passed, he jumped up on the bed. I thought, don't start. I had forgotten he passed. Ah, uh, yeah. Jill Pickles says he loves you too. Oh my gosh, that is so <laughs> sweet. Is there an important thing you feel? This like is you an want to endless see? line of discussion. Yeah, you know it's what? Endless. If, Anything if, we should. I cannot believe the number of people who were bamboozled by a copycat who took all of my crap on Instagram and made a copy account, spelt my name wrong, wound Mm -hmm. up getting 1,800 friends or something, and made a few thousand dollars doing text 
and phone readings, and it wasn't me. Wow. And, and I, you know, it's, it's funny because I keep trying to, and I know it's a process, but I'm trying to get, you know, verified or blue checked or whatever. And I, I know it's going to be a process and, and I'll go through the process. Um, but it's, it's so upsetting because, you know, people need to know that a real medium is going to be very subtle and busy. It's, no, I will never reach out to somebody and be like, hey, you want a reading right now? Pay me right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. Like, they were, they were attacking via messages. And, and, you know, and so I just feel like I want people to be, um, I want people to just be extremely, extremely careful um, and, and to always do really in alignment with what you did. I'm not saying that they need to seek out and, and get all of the exact answers right away. Um, you know, definitely put your faith and trust and, you know, people definitely need to put their faith and trust in. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you have to make sure that you know who you're talking to and where you're going. And, and you know, whether you think a test would work or not, going to somebody who is willing to test is a very good thing. Um, you know, make sure that the people that you're going to go and get a reading from, if it's not going to be me or not going to be somebody that's referred to you, if you're going to go out and look, go out and look for something like this. I mean, you're, what you did, and I thank you so much, Liz, by doing this was, you gave me an opportunity to be the real me and to have a conversation with you. And it's, it's, it, you know, it, it didn't involve giving the readings of course, but it's, it's part of somebody getting to know me and getting to know my vibe and getting to know where I come from and, and understanding that I'm not trying to hide, you know, I'm not, um, these people were, were getting offered readings and it was like, Oh, just do this on Venmo and, and do it to this email address and do it to this, you know, and, and I kind of sit back and I think, you know, you have to be really, really careful um, about wh who you're talking to. Well, I would never take payment in advance like like that with everybody's full name and everything. You know, I try to keep it a little more low key. But yeah, just I think that one of the important things I want to make sure that people know is that there are good mechanics and bad mechanics and there are good healers. And there are healers that just stand there with their hands over you and don't do a damn thing. And there are mediums who who are really good at lying and fishing and bamboozling and Google searching and remembering. And there are just, you know, I mean, there are just so many different types of readers out there, too. I mean, if you want to know about relationships, works, jobs, life, vacations, things like that, by all means, find a psychic. If you, if you want to really work on grief and be, you know, kind of like you were, WTF just happened, you know, that's always fun. I don't, I don't mind a challenge. That's mediumship, right? But I think the only thing that I really want to make sure that, that um, always gets mentioned is that ethics is so important and make sure you find somebody that you align with. I mean, I, I love you for your ethics. I am not perfect by any means, but ethically, I, I really want to stay as best that I can because... There is something after this. I'm pretty convinced with all I've seen, and that took a lot. That took, <laughs> I'm, that took years. <laughs> I'm so glad I heard of it. I'm so glad you are, too. Are you an advocate, a changemaker, a healer, or an expander? Does your business have an important story to tell? A story agency 
can help you craft and share your business's story with the right audience. A story is a public relations and communications firm that develops thoughtful strategies, content, and powerful partnerships for those who are making a positive social impact, sparking reform, and promoting well-being. Founded by Allison Mahoney, an American lawyer who has spent the past decade advocating on behalf of survivors of social injustices, crimes, and civil rights violations, a story agency is not your average PR firm. Reach out to a story agency today at hello at a story, E-S-T-O-R-I-E, agency.com, or visit www.astoryagency.com and mention WTF just happened in the subject line to receive a free 30-minute consultation. And now we're going to pause for a second for the question of the week. Mike asks, so I saw on Instagram that you said you bent a spoon. Did you? What was that like? Yes, I did. It was really kind of this amazing, bizarre experience. It was pretty early in my research when I kind of thought none of this was possible. And one interesting aspect about it was that the night before I went to the event where I bent a spoon, I had been reading all of my materials for Lloyd Arbach's class on psychic abilities at the Rhine. And one of the things I'd read about was spoon bending, which I'd always assumed was nonsense. But here's Lloyd Arbach. He's a parapsychologist. I have talked about him in other episodes and I've interviewed him in other podcast episodes as well. And I had this thought of, okay, if spoon bending actually was real and I experienced it, I would believe all this. I mean, of course, it ended up not being that simple, but it was another bit of evidence. So I noted to myself to find a place where I could do spoon bending. And so the next day, I already had plans to go to one of the mediums, Laura Lynn Jackson, who is certified by Forever Family in Winbridge to go to one of her workshops and I barely knew her at this point. And suddenly in the middle of her workshop, she said, we're going to be doing spoon bending. I was like, okay, that's kind of coincidental and kind of interesting. I'll consider the fact that I was just thinking about that last night. And so she passed out all these spoons and I was with my friend and he's like pretty large physically strong guy. He's a lot stronger than me. And we got our spoons and I remember I tried to bend it normally with my hands. He tried to bend his people around the group, you know, none of them bending. And then Laura said to take a deep breath, focus, and everyone say bend. And I looked over, you know, I kind of tried to bend mine and nothing happened again. And I looked over and I saw a few people's spoons, like normal metal spoons, just getting balled up and rolled with their hands. And I was like, what the fuck? I was shocked. I suddenly felt my spoon in my hand get really, really hot. Not where it burned, 
where not where it hurt, I should say, but it was incredibly hot. And then it just felt like really like a very soft material. And I just bent the head of it over with no effort. And then suddenly it cooled off and felt like a completely normal spoon again. And the reason I'd also mentioned my friend who's physically much stronger than me, he was unable to bend his spoon. So I just, that was really weird. And in Lloyd Arbach's book, one of his books, Mind Over Matter, he said that people who had bent spoons with their mind or metal, you know, I don't know if they only used spoons, but they took spoons that people had bent with energy, mind, and then they took metal that they got very strong, like weightlifter people to bend metal objects. And they sent these metal objects to a metallurgist. One's both bent by strength and one's bent by energy. And the metallurgist, you know, used whatever equipment it was to examine them. And apparently the grain boundaries of the metals showed up differently in those that bent the metals with their energy versus their strength. The ones with the strength, grain boundaries were ripped and broken, exactly expected in a bent metal. In the ones bent with energy, they looked like they were elongated and stretched over and they had not broken. So that was my experience with spoon bending. There's kind of a part two, which I'll answer in another episode. If you have a question you want me to answer, send it to hello at wtfjusthappened.net and put question of the week in the subject. I know I usually say first names, but if you want to be completely anonymous, let me know. And feel free to reach out anyway, even if you don't have a question. I can't wait to hear your questions and hear from you. Okay. Well, I want to thank everyone so much for joining us. I think it's almost been two hours. And so I will thank you. So we'll say goodbye. We could do this again. Somebody I'm going to take you up on that. It's so wonderful to just listen and be a candid conversation. That's it for my talk with Rebecca and Lo Cicero. To book a reading, buy her book, Living with Messages from Heaven, read her blog, and see when she'll be giving group readings, go to her website, RebeccaAnnLoCicero.com. You can see how her name is spelled on the episode title, and I'll link to her site in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. To get more information on what the fuck just happened, go to WTFJustHappened.net. There you can order my book, what the fuck just happened? A sciency skeptic explores grief, healing, and evidence of an afterlife. And you can learn all about how I came to conclude that there most likely is an afterlife. You can also learn about the early stages of my grief and the amazing, fascinating people I met along the way. You can also read about how much I harassed them trying to get evidence see if they were cheating, and see if they were sane. There, you can subscribe to our newsletter. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. It makes such a difference, especially for a new podcast like this one. And if any of you have had 
a crazy what the fuck yourself, have any questions, feedback, or just want to say hi, reach out on either Instagram at WTF underscore just underscore happened underscore or email me at hello at wtfjusthappened.net. And remember, you don't have to draw any final conclusions as you wonder what the fuck just happened.